This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sands. Brought to you by OCBC Bank. Good morning. It's now 9.37 a.m. Welcome to the SNM show with me, Melissa and Julian and Chuang. Today, we're looking at Malaysian fund flows in equity, currency and bond markets. Now, you guys, overall, in the seven months of 2015, there's been a net outflow of $19.3 billion this year. Is that US dollars? That's US dollars. Okay. If you compare that to last year, seven months of 2014, it was only 3.1 billion. So 19 billion this year, 3 billion last year. Why the difference? Okay, no, where I do think, you start? Uh, <laughs> if you are in, if you want to play this kind of game, right, you want to welcome foreign investments and uh, with that there is long-term and short-term investments, uh, you, you take everything uh, as they are, right? So the short-term investments uh, are there to uh, provide a, a kind of secondary market to your long-term investments, and these guys are selling. You 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 can't you can't stop them, right? You you got to you got to take it uh, with. Uh, it's the whole package, right, Chong? Well, yeah. Uh, so there's two kinds of funds, right? There's long term and short term. That's what I said. You, yeah, I know, I know. So you are known as Mr. Long. But the thing whoa, is, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> for all the fundamental reasons, of course. Yeah. Um, so where was I? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Long. So, <coughs> so I, I think you know people at MIDF Research has made a you know has made a big deal out of the fact that within the first three months of this year we saw more equity market outflows than all of last year, right? And um, in many ways, and you know I've got this disturbing habit of updating my Facebook profile. Very, very the, disturbing. Uh, yeah. With a ringgit uh, US dollar cross rate, right? You know, oh, you're one of those people. I, yeah, I think it's more uh, disturbing uh, because it's a reflection of you more than the <laughs> ringgit sliding because you keep updating <laughs> these things onto your Facebook uh, page. Uh, I, I want to be yeah. a chatiala, you know, but I mean, the, the fact remains, okay, there's a lot of concern in the air right now among Malaysians because of where the ringgit is. Today, I look at it as 4.0075 to the dollar. Um, you know, our stock market is tanking. You know, the chartists like Lee Cheng Hui and, and Benny Lee talking about the head and shoulders pattern all being obliterated. You know, 1600 is the next uh, uh, support level downwards. So there is no respite for Malaysia risk assets right now. And just outside, just before I came into the studio, one of our colleagues has asked me, hey, bro, I got, uh, I've, I've got some US dollar REITs. You know, I, I'm up 35% just this year alone. You know, without even Forex gain, should I bring it back? You know, is it, is it safe to bring it back to Malaysia? You know, wow. so a lot of people are taking money out of this country, right? And not just the investors, not just the, you know, the, the, the risk players, not just the foreign funds and the pension funds and the hedge funds and whatnot, but it's also Malaysians wanting to take money out. So I, I think there is a very interesting subtext here. Are these outflows uh, just reflections of uh, trading patterns or are they implications reflection into something that is more sinister? It's much, much more than that, Joe. So because, because we are constantly dealing with buying and selling, right, in the stock market, in right. bond markets and what have you, right, and, and in the foreign exchange market. But uh, at which point do you arrive where the selling and the constant selling at that uh, in these markets reflect something that is very much bigger uh, that's happening in the country? So when you say more sinister, you say sinister, what do you mean by that? The, I, I feel that any country in the world, uh, be it the United States, China or Malaysia, right, can be should be in a position to say, hey, uh, there's this uh, 10%, 20% crash that's going on in the market. It doesn't matter because we have got our um, 
uh, our, our things sorted out, right? And I really use, I was about to use some expletive there, but I, sh- I remembered I was on radio. <laughs> when you say things, what do you I mean, mean we, we, we got our, our... Feces sorted out. No, we got... <laughs> we got our fundamentals sorted out. Uh, we got our education sorted out. Our people are able to stand on their own two feet. Uh, they are innovative. They are educated. They're free... Um, liberal-minded people who are able to uh, make a living for themselves and that will support us in the market. And uh, let's not care about, you know, that 20% drop in our, our stock market. But, of course, that's uh, that's utopic and, uh, of course, it has kind of spilled over into uh, what we do fundamentally. Yeah, so it's, it's, like a, it's like a perfect storm. It's like that movie with George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg, right? There's all these things and they're only pushing in one direction. In fact, there's two things, right? The pull factor from, the, from America mm-hmm. in terms of the uh, appreciating rates. US dollar and the prospect of looming higher interest rates over there to pull all these money up from risky emerging market countries like ourselves. And then there's the push factor from all this political turbulence in our country. And of course, you know, unless you've been living under a rock the last few months, you know that the Prime Minister is under siege about his alleged, you know, the money in his, in his personal account for whatever reason or from whichever sources, right? So... Yeah, so, okay, that's interesting. Pull and push factors. We can't control the pull factors, but can we control the push factors? We can't. How can we, right? Because we know the, the, the levers of authority are not with the people. So no. what Julian was trying to say earlier was that should we be, are we overreacting to the push factors? Am I, am I getting you right? No, no. I, I'm, oh, just, no. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that uh, we are not in that position. We're not ready right. uh, for this kind of open economy, open trading, because we haven't got our home front uh, sorted, sorted out. out you know? okay. um, and, and, you know, this, this thing about um, crises and recessions and depressions and so on, right? Uh, Japan has had two decades of uh, lost, they call it the lost decades, right? Because they went through, um, you know, two decades of deflation over there. And now Abenomics is trying to spur, in, trying very hard to spur inflation. And we are also at a time uh, um, in unprecedented money printing all over the world, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the US, Europe, and Japan. And this has pushed asset prices uh, up to a very high level. And in that process, uh, there is a big chunk of people, the underclass, who have totally been uh, unaffected by that. And we are at a time when there is unprecedented inequality. To these people, um, did it really affect them when the ringgit was strong, when the stock markets were rising up? And now the stock markets are, are crashing and the ringgit is crashing, right? It it is actually affecting them uh, in, in a more... So they've gone from a position of negative to more negative right now. And I, I think it is a reflection that our country is really not prepared because we, we've not had the human resource arsenal uh, to protect ourselves okay, against this so kind of thing. So in response, okay, uh, a contrarian view, not just not on the economic front, but from RHB research, because they point out the difference between now and 1997, that the Asian financial crisis, is that the rules that regulate the ringgit have changed significantly. Uh, because now the doors to allow large-scale shorting of the local currency has been closed because we've got selective, selective capital controls, right? which were removed in 2003, but the introduction of forex control mechanisms that are administered by Bank Nagara. So the ringgit won't collapse. I think that's one viewpoint. Okay. The other thing, the other fact to, to remember is as well, and it's, it's becoming the dawn because although we talk about all the time the ringgit falling to four and beyond to the, to the dollar, maybe the Central Bank of Malaysia is allowing that to happen because there is a lot, there is a, a global uh, uh, fight 
well, a global race to the bottom, mm-hmm. right? China has devalued, Singapore has devalued, everybody else around the world has devalued, but for the US, and they might yet devalue, according to some of the naysayers, right? So everybody's fighting to the bottom to make their exports more competitive. Maybe Malaysia's allowing things to happen, right? I, I don't know. I, and, and I, I find that, uh, well, part, to, to some extent, part, part of the devaluation is uh, may, maybe can be controlled, but a big part of it also out of is due to uh, this fund repatriation uh, back to the United States because of rising interest rates there. And part of it is also due to kind of um, risk premiums and problems that we have over here and they attach that, they manifest that value into a weaker ringgit, right? So I, I'm not sure if it's entirely intentional here. I think some, a lot of it is beyond our control, actually. It's uh, now 9.45am, but we'll come back and talk more about those risk premiums you just mentioned, Julian, and also about how the uh, fund outflows are impacting markets. More after this, BFM 89.9. Good morning, it's 9.47am. Melissa Chuang and Julian with you on the SNM Show. Now, we were talking about uh, foreign flows impacting markets, bonds, uh, currency, equity. The question is, guys, is... Um, about the ringgit, is the outflow that we're seeing just uh, foreigners? Is it only foreigners taking out money that's causing the ringgit to slide? Okay, so <laughs> the answer in, in quick and simple terms is that Malaysians, individual Malaysians are contributing, contributing to the ringgit slide. That's because uh, they have been basically acting on the, on the fear premium okay, yeah. in, in Malaysia, right? Not just in terms of the economic front, but also in terms of the political turbulence. And um, I'm going to cite research from BCA um, um, showing basically that individuals and businesses with uh, fixed and savings deposits in local currencies has been dropping uh, or since 2012 uh, from a 15% annual growth rate to right now to below. Basically, they've been taking the money out and putting them into foreign exchange deposits in the US. And I know this because anecdotal evidence. Mm. I have friends who work in OCBC. I have friends who work in HSBC private banking and they tell me that and the word they were, they've used in both cases right was deluge really yeah. deluge of, in, of, of foreign account of international bank account openings and forex account openings yeah um, so when we hark back uh, to the time when uh, the USSR became Russia right and that was the fall of communism uh, something else happened uh, another revolution actually happened over there which is that Russia uh, changed from a command economy to a market economy mm-hmm. and um, actually the economy just could not take it at the time and the economy tanked at the time but while it was tanking the people who were in the know who were you know the, the kind of people in power leadership positions they were taking out money by the truckloads yeah. right um, uh, also, um, around the same time, the Asian financial crisis happened at a time before uh, the ringgit was pegged and before capital controls were imposed, a lot of Malaysians were also taking out money uh, in their suitcases, in their pants, and they were taking money into Singapore. And remember Singapore. the chief yeah. minister of Selangor yeah. very famously, <laughs> I don't know, really, there's money in my suitcase? I don't yeah. understand, right? Yeah. I don't understand English. I think that, that happened after the time when there was some rule imposed that um, you can only take uh, to the of 10,000 US dollars uh, in, in your suitcases out of Malaysia, right? right. I think, but I think before that, no, uh, we no may not have, yeah. have yeah. had that rule. And remember how we changed the biggest denomination of our ringgit uh, from, from five, or 1,000. It was a 1, 500 or 1,000. 1, there was even bill. a 10,000, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they made, they made the smallest, uh, uh, the biggest denomination 50 to, bucks. to 100 ringgit. 100, 100, 100 ringgit, ringgit yeah. right? Yeah. So now you, you need to take more... Like 
like more volume. Yeah. You have more paper. You can't paper. pack it into you your pants anymore. Paper, you see, paper. but yeah. but you see, there's always there's more than one way to skin this cat, right? Poor cat. <laughs> you know, everyone and why property developers have launches in Melbourne, London, you know, Singapore. You know, they say officially that it's because the Malaysian market is too small. But unofficially, you know, every time you buy a property in London or Singapore, this is capital flight. Yeah. Every time you make yep. a, a property, and you know, this is big ticket items. Okay, so property purchase is one, right? Um, you can, and you know, the chetias. I'm not telling. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not joking, right? The chetias are very efficient uh, form of funding. They got a global right? network. They got a global network, and it's bang just like that, right? They got someone sitting. They got forex Correct. desks all Correct. over the world. Wow. Right? Just one Better phone than call. Bloomberg. One <laughs> phone call. Right? One phone call. Right? And that's all it takes. Yeah. Bang, your money's in London, right? But that's you got to trust them. Yeah, and they got to trust, trust, trust you. They got to trust you. So that's what. Yes, and then you've also got precious stones, right? So you can buy, you know, three carat, four carat pairs. You know, usually they're worth even more, and they're what? mobile, right? Uh, uh, diamonds, right? Diamonds, okay. You know the VVSSIIIV. You know those ones, four carat, and if they are a matching pair. You can buy them for two, three hundred thousand ringgit or whatever. So high right? level, are you? Yeah. No, this is what people tell me. Oh, people tell they you. Are. Not that we're condoning anything. We just no. I'm, I'm just saying. We're just saying. We're just. You're so familiar with diamonds. Yeah. VVSS <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I have friends who have who may call them their best friends, but um, so this you know they just put them in their pocket and you know they're they're odorless, uh, you know they don't show up and they're very light. They're lighter than gold. They don't. They What's don't uh, set off. They don't set off the metal detector. No, they don't set off. Yeah, the metal. You know, dogs don't go berserk when they smell it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that in your pocket? <laughs> are you happy to see me? Yeah. Or are, there, are those diamonds it's in your pocket? It's a pockets? Harry Winston, darling. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we have a tweet here from Malski asking, "Dear SNM Show, please answer this one question: Why is the ringgit the worst performing currency in Asia?" I think that is not that. That is more a statement rather than a question. <laughs> Right. That's that, that, um, yeah, uh, Jul, uh, Malski, uh, Julski, Melski, and Chuangski. Uh, go read Macbeth, okay? Then you'll know why the ringgit is dropping. Yeah. So any, but anyway, to to come back and to actually answer the question, I think yeah, we we were talking about earlier how uh, some of it is within our control and uh, the other side of it is actually beyond our control. And the answer to that question is that a lot of it is due to factors uh, uh, that is both out in our control and both uh, beyond our control. Okay, right? uh, the, the ones that are in our control, things like corruption, uh, the 1MDB scandal. Our, we'd like to think it's under our control, but it's not in our control. Okay, I just right? want to talk about... Well, okay. control well, meaning our leaders. You, you were talking just now about the push and pull factors and the pull factors, you mentioned the strengthening dollar and the potential rise in interest rates, right? But what about the coverage of all the negative things that are happening in Malaysia at the moment freaking out uh, foreign investors. And so sh- should we shut up? Should we you know, stop reporting? It was not just us, isn't it? I'm seeing reports in The Economist, in the Forbes, Times, the in New York Ta- Times, the Forbes, FT, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's something to it's, consider. It's actually a watershed moment it is a very in, much our, a watershed in our history, moment. actually. Um, so, you know, to people who are considering taking the money out of the country, it, you know, to, for them to do those thing, kind of things now, it's, a, it's very much like buying a stock high and then selling it very low because that's where we are right now we are mal- you know the ringgit is at 20 year lows against the dollar right and as you say and you know markets are cyclical right it's how how they come back it matter of when they come back if they will come back but matter of when it could take a lot we of have been through years. crises before um, and a lot of these crises 
were also due to domestic factors. I mean, if you if you think of '97, right, uh, it's all about confidence. But once you lose that confidence, a lot of these um, um, tradition and, uh, and practices of uh, being corrupted they, they surface. They come right up to the surface because uh, you know when the, when the tide settles, all these things are, are surfaced. You know, so this is not something that is new. We've had a tradition of this. The question is, are we now in a position to make structural reforms so that uh, the, the the volatility the volatility that happens in the future is due to hot money flows and not so much due to yeah. uh, our, our structural fear. holes. Yeah. Well, of course, the theoretical answer would be yes. It's within our control to introduce those structural reforms. Practically and realistically, uh, the answer is no because we haven't done it. In effect, we've we've made it even harder on ourselves because the you know the levers of of democracy have all been uh, diminished considerably. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I, I don't want to be a bummer here. I don't want to end on a, a bum note. So let's end on a, okay. <laughs> let's end on a good let's note. Let's all of us say something positive, right? Oh, gosh. You put can, me can on I, the spot. Can I, can, I, can I start? Yeah, do it. Go for it. It's been a bumper durian season. I think I've put on 5kg because of my <laughs> consumption. So if there's one thing that makes me happy, it's because I can still eat durians without having to pay US dollar prices for it. Excellent. I can't, um, I can't think of anything at the moment. Ditto, I guess. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's... <laughs> gotta be original, man. Come on. Yes. <laughs> I love deer. I, I mean, uh, this is the first year that uh, I think it's, it's really watershed for me as well uh, because, you know, China has not deva- devalued for 10 years, right? Uh, and this, uh, for many, many years, I've not eaten durian and this was the year that I started. I had the, the Musang King, I had uh, the uh, Tekka, oh, and I good. had the Kampung, you know, the Kampung durian, which I enjoy very much much as well. Okay. And the D24. In, in Pyongyang. <laughs> Do they have durians in Pyongyang? <laughs> okay. I don't know where this thing is coming from. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's so, so to a, a bumper durian season, let's end on a good note. Um, that was the SNM show with Julian and Chuang. Coming up is the Enterprise show with Frida Liu. But first, on a high note, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. VFM 89.9. Ring it and sense. Brought to you by OCBC Bank. Real Malaysians, real stories, real insights. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.